Hi, and welcome to the Paper Matters Podcast, hosted by Ashley Madak, the creative and brand manager for Domtar Paper. The Paper Matters Podcast is a paper-focused listening experience that will celebrate and inspire the evolving world of the paper, printing, and business industries. In each episode, we'll share the variety of essential roles that Domtar Paper and print support play for a number of businesses every day. And welcome to the Paper Matters Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brooke Spalding, the Market Development Manager and Senior Account Manager at WND. And we're going to talk a bit about Vote by Mail. Thanks for joining me today, Brooke. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, for sure. All right. So let's just get um, things kicked off by you introducing yourself. Tell us a bit about Brooke. Yeah, well, the short story and long story, um, the in-between stories, it's 40 years, kind of around paper, folding, converting. I grew up in a family envelope manufacturing shop. And then in the 90s, I spent time at Champion International, which uh, had multiple mills before uh, bought by IP. So I uh, used to fight with Domtar, aggressive, good-natured fights. And uh, I did some time consulting and really got into the capital equipment business in 2016 when I joined WD, which um, you know is, is one of the rainmakers in all things envelope inserting and overprinting. Okay, and so tell us a little bit about W&D. I know a lot of people are familiar, but for those that aren't. Yeah, and I like to say W&D because I, I, I know I butcher if I say Winkler and Dunabier. But uh, W&D has a long history from uh, 1913, really best known for, um, for envelope converting, envelope manufacturing equipment, uh, blank fed presses, offset presses. You know, when I grew up in the in the 80s and 90s, uh, the predominant manufacturer of envelope equipment was F.L. Smith. And just through a series of interesting mergers, and it's a small world, um, W&D, which, which is about a $100 million company, was um, acquired by Barry Waymiller, which is a U.S.-based company, about uh, $3 billion in sales. Uh, and when that acquisition happened around 2016, they already owned F.L. Smith. So now within Barry Waymiller, you have, because we bought Palm Industries in 2017, they're the green jets that a lot of your customers might know. Um, and we bought Burrs and Serving. So we're kind of everything relating to mail under one roof. And, uh, you know, we're proud to be part of, um, you know, US, US thriving despite COVID uh, business. So can you share some demand trends that your company has observed in 2020? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the most obvious, and, and you're kind of asked, is because of COVID and, and because of an election year, um, one of the strongest things has been a, a, a very strong demand for intelligent inserters that are used to process um, vote by mail or absentee ballots. In, in fact, I, I kind of would shift the conversation. I know we're talking about vote by mail, but I, I like very much the term vote at home. Because I think that really communicates what's happening. And, and states in the U.S. has been doing that for years and years. But before we go too deep into that, um, I, I think uh, the trends are clear. Uh, people want more personalized content. Things to be more relevant. And, um, you know, they, they definitely want to express their civic duty and have a chance to vote without potentially uh, transmitting or receiving COVID. So have more states and counties adopted the option of mail and ballots? Yeah, you know, um, so the trend 10 years ago was all West Coast, where, where everything is almost primarily, you never go to a polling precinct to, to vote. It was pure vote at home. Um, you know, states like Washington and Utah 
but the trend has moved eastward. So even states that had excuse required. So so maybe I had to you know be too old or I'm I'm frail or unable. I'm out of the state to get a a, a ballot. Now uh, states like Massachusetts that were very strict have no excuse. Uh, you can ask for a ballot because of COVID and receive a ballot. And um, anecdotally, you know, South Carolina heading the same way. Uh, if I could, could I read a quick thing? Of it, course. It, uh, yeah, definitely. So here I am. So I'm in Massachusetts, just gave it away. And uh, this is gonna be my first year voting at home. So, you know, my application came and it goes, uh, dear voter, below is an official 2020 vote by mail application, period. All registered voters may vote by mail this year, period. No excuses needed. So when states like Mass and others do this, if, if there were, let's say, 40 million absentee vote at home ballots processed in 2016, expectations range from you know, at least 60 million, maybe up to 100 million, but let's just say 60 million to 80 million potential um, uh, people are going to vote you know, from home. Good growth. Yeah. Led to 22 new inserters for us, right? So, wow. uh, and by context, I would say in 2016, we sold six. So, almost a fourfold uh, increase because we are roughly an 80% market share of the intelligent inserters that process the ballots. Wow. So, what? Probably, what probably is, 95% what of the envelopes. I got to get that. And probably 95% of the envelopes, too. And, so uh, what sort of, I guess, unexpected challenges has that sort of unexpected growth created for you guys? I, I think managing expectations, early communication, and, and fortunately, there are a number of really strong nonprofits out there that, that help communicate the best way to design an envelope. Um, you know, voteathome.org, uh, civic design. Even the post office has people like Don Nichols directly assigned to help people with political mail which means ballot mail, as well as what we would call um, political mail for uh, different candidates. So okay. getting people to understand, you've got to act really back in, a lot of this activity for us is happening February, March, April, May. Um, we just talked about an opportunity where we might have one more system to go, but the, the prudent system is, it should go with someone who already knows what they're doing, not a greenfield site. So the ship kind of left the barn. And um, now I think a lot of states are dealing with, okay, given what we know and who the major players are, how are we going to execute these ballots? And how, how are people going to be reminded to get their ballot in the mail at least five days ahead of November 3rd? So I, I see this not to leap too far, but this is going to be one of those very strong counterpoints. The post office has a lot of capability, right? They process over 400 million pieces of mail a day. So you can imagine 100 million ballots, that sounds like a lot, but the, they have the capacity. The problem is the float time. You know, if it's first class mail, regular service standards are two to three days. If it's market mail, it might be five to seven. So will a state count a vote, a vote that's postmarked on November 3rd, in which case you know, you're gonna know around November 10th what happened, or you have to receive that physical piece by November 3rd. And oh. I, I just anticipate uh, that'll be um, that'll be in the headlines, no matter what happens.
<laughs> so voting by mail has turned into somewhat of a controversial topic, as anybody that watches the news can attest to or reads the newspaper. With many people concerned about voter fraud and security, is voting by mail less secure than voting in person? Yeah, I, I, I would just categorically say absolutely not as long as it's executed right. So, so the key on good execution is, you know, good data, good, 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 good data in is good data out. And the level of security in, in uh, vote by mail, particularly, you know, systems like ours, there's a lot of redundancy to make sure that, you know, there are no skips or doubles. Um, a unique ballot is carried all the way through with the assignment to the oath envelope, the reply envelope, and the outer envelope. And non-unique ballots, which get assigned based on voter lookup, same kind of processes. And we have thickness checkers, and we have double detects, and we have cameras that look after cameras that look. But the thing that I think really probably helps people think about vote at home is when you do a vote by home, it your 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 signature is matched up with what they have at the other end. So someone who tries to be you twenty times, it's it's not going to work. And one, they wouldn't get. 19 ballots, you know, extra. It, it it will stop after the first signature is matched. Anything then would be put into a suspect, you know, divert bin, if you will, to 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 see, well, which is the real vote. But but you can't keep voting on somebody's same name. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I I I do worry that there may be people who are opportunistic who go door to door say, oh, you have your vote by mail ballot. Let me fill that in for you and I'll return it for you. Both of those are bad ideas. And, and as soon as you put the return envelope with your ballot into a postal box, if anyone tampers with that, that's that's a federal crime, right? The USPS is, is under federal. So it's not like you're going to go to the local county sheriff and, and talk your way out of it. You, you've just committed a federal crime with uh, mail fraud. So uh, for all kinds of good reasons, I think executed well, um, absolutely no problem. Yeah, and so then the person actually voting does play a role in making sure it's a secure process and that their voice is heard. Yeah, so, and I'll be fair, I'm thinking about this. So let's say we're all related. I, I have my two daughters at home or something and income for ballots. Could my younger daughter take all three ballots, fill them out, and then mail them in? She probably would not succeed where she did do that because her signature won't look anything like mine. I, I mean, I don't care how someone tries to, to copy my signature, it, it won't work. But within a specific household, I, I guess there is a mild risk of someone, but they would be scolded because I'd be like, well, where's my ballot? And, um, you know, but that, that, that seems like a pretty low possibility of harm. Okay. Yeah, you know, and, and, and the other thing that we see as an emerging trend is, is a very hard focus on return on investment. So the capital case has to be there. Why am I investing in the kind of machines needed to go forward in, in a, in a COVID-related environment? And, and I think WD, fortunately, we've been well positioned for, for two trends. You know, one, if someone's trying to save costs, let's say by source reduction to make tolerances tighter, sadly to maybe use a little less paper or, or, or maybe not to have the window film in there uh, and do it personalized. Um, we're leaders on that kind of technology and that kind of space. But if, if you don't have a compelling ROI, um, I, 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 you know, people are hunkered down. There's 30% less mail being mailed right now. So um, I think the trend is, you know, 
the obvious. Uh, prove, prove less than a two-year ROI, show that you can support us remotely, show the lower total cost of ownership uh, of new versus existing legacy equipment, and those trends play out very well to our strengths. Election season is in full swing, and Domtar Paper offers a wide variety of papers that will optimize efficiency for all your ballot stock needs. Download our election voting paper guide at paper.domtar.com. So the CARES Act included $400 million in funding to shore up elections. Can you, for the people listening that aren't familiar with the CARES Act, can you explain that a little bit, but also let us know, have you observed any of the funding in action to add by the vote by mail capacity? Yeah, so fortunately, I can plead the fifth in that I'm far enough away of how all the packages came together, and I don't know if the funds have been dis distributed and spent. You know, as we're talking today on, on August 14th, there's talk of another package. But what, what I would say, and it's important for people to know, is the post office has not received en masse any significant bailout money. You know, you think about the airlines that received $25 billion in care packages, you know, Delta somewhere around $6 billion or $5 billion, American Airlines, JetBlue getting a billion. So the relief packages with being down 30% in mail volume I haven't seen that money flow to the post office or to the states that need to process the mail-in votes yet. Logic would say that there should be some support, um, but logic also says they will get through it even if they don't. It's just gonna be very, very hard. Okay. So what are some of the things that you see your contacts considering that maybe they didn't focus on in the past? Uh, well, you know, Best practices, uh, you know, just just in terms of how can we reduce the number of steps to get something done? Um, what are you doing? Again, it goes back to quality, integrity, um, keeping up with the Joneses a, a little bit. Um, there's a lot of peer-on-peer -peer referral. Uh, if, if something is going well, you know, people are hoping to share and, and learn by that rather than making a mistake on their own. Um, but the whole problem with not having face-to-face -face interactions, I think, puts a little stress on, on how people develop and, and, and reach new opportunities. I'm, I'm, you know, just as a salesperson and, and involved with market development, uh, it's interesting how I feel. I've become much tighter with some of my existing uh, customers who are friends and customers. And how, how now uh, do we work with Zoom and you know, Teams and things of that nature expand our reach. And I think, uh, uh, well, I commend programs like this, obviously, where you, you find and, and work on a compelling topic or subject to an audience and uh, you have to be a thought leader like you guys are. And you, know, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to have value to, to bring to the table. Yeah, it's always good to keep the conversation going, right? So let's talk considerations and best practices. In your opinion, what are some of the things that should be focused on and what should you have a plan about before election season begins? Yeah, so most most people, um, it's all about the data, you know, data, 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 and, and getting the workflow right. And if you're, sadly, if you're just thinking about how to handle this now, you're probably, you're probably in a little bit of hurt uh, because envelope companies, you know, particularly in our very strong members of the Envelope Manufacturers Association, but it, it can take 
you know, two to three weeks to, to process an envelope order. It can take, you know, two to three weeks to get this, two to three weeks to get that. And a lot of the certification for the ballots happens, you know, 45 days before. And I hesitate to say that I think we're 80, 80 days out, maybe. So uh, stand on the resources that are public and available. So Don Nichols, who heads up the USPS direct mail and market mail, sorry, political mail, uh, he's available as a resource. They have a dedicated team to help you. And, and you learn that, listen, if I put a green tag on, it, it's going to help people understand that this is election mail. So it, it covers things from absentee ballots, voter registration cards, um, polling place notification, anything like that can use green tag 191. And another good resource is Whitney Pesenberry of Center for Civic Design. And, and, and she will actually help show that they're hoping for a national standard, but if you're an outbound envelope, it should be maybe blue on the left edge. And so the blue ramps over the top score, the bottom score and the side score. So no matter where it is in the tray, someone has an instant visual, oh, well, that's important, that's election mail. And likewise, coming back, you don't use blue, you use purple. So these kinds of color coding helps reinforce what the post office already has with great automation. It just helps the, the, the postal employees and others know, ah, this is election-related mail. And, and, and I think another great resource uh, for the precincts is Amber McReynolds. Um, and Hillary Huff uh, at Vote at Home. She's really, or they are really where I'm taking the term because it strikes home, is we're not really talking about mail is, is part of the execution, but what you're doing is enabling people to do their civic duty with Vote at Home. And uh, they know if you're a precinct, they would be a great resource to talk to about uh, how to get things done. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. So um, on the opposite end, what mistakes have you seen and how can they be prevented when it comes to voting at home? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> the, the dirty secrets. Um, so from my envelope background, just just a little is envelope tolerances. It's not like um, it's not plus or minus five thousandths. Right. It's a sixteenth to an eighth of an inch. So when you're dealing with the envelope, often it's like a Russian doll set. You have an oath envelope, and then a reply envelope, and then an outer envelope, and all those kind of nest together. And then you have a ballot that could be anywhere from 17 inches to 36 inches, all folded up, you know, double parallel folds. So you have a, a pretty thick piece all going into something that hopefully can go at automation rates, 10 to 12,000, maybe 15,000 an hour. Um, but tolerances stack. So if like the max letter size is six and one eighth by 11 and a half. If you go over that, you pay a flat rate. You want to make sure that the envelope designer doesn't say, ah, oh, I, I want to do a six and a half, nine and a half. That gives me a lot of room. If, if that happens, you have to be aware that my postage just went up 20 cents, 30 cents a piece. That's 200 to $300 a thousand. So knowing, knowing the max letter size, um, using the resources on how to color code all helps. Um, most, most horror shows probably come from bad data. So you, you want to update the mailing, you know, NCOA, CAS certification, good hygiene practices, uh, working with the precinct. Um, I'm not sure who my audience is here, but the three references I said before, and I'll give them to you separately, would be great places to start. If you, if you, have, you know, um, and I think the other thing in terms of avoiding mistakes that's really important is to remember quality in, quality out. 
you know, this is not the time to, to skimp on the raw materials. You, you want, you know, the ballots to lay flat. You want the envelope gum to stick. You want everything to be legible, printable, foldable. And, um, you know, a shout out to all my paper buddies, but, but this, is, this is really the time you want to look at resource, uh, sourcing quality materials because without that, you won't have the throughput both on our high-end uh, inserters, our high-end envelope machines, and the postal processing equipment. So in many ways, it, it really comes to what do you start with? And paper loves to give up moisture and take on moisture. So buy the best paper you can find. And um, we're, we, we know that Domtar runs well. Great, so any final thoughts? Yes. Um, there's gonna be a lot in the news about the post office and about how and can we process vote by mail ballots. And I, I would just say, you know, the post office process north of 130 billion pieces of mail a year. I, I think last year was 140 billion. And right now, sadly with COVID, you know, roughly, you know, 20, 30% drop in mail volume. So they have the capacity to get it done if, if we give them the lead time to do it. And even though I, I know they're gonna work ferociously hard, but if we can give them all a break and mail a week earlier, if we are doing vote at home, not, not wait to November 2nd, because their best standards of service, you know, first class mail is two to three days, right? And market mail is, you know, five-ish. So uh, give them a break to get the, the vote in early. And I think also remember, um, they, I, I'm a big advocate, right? They're part of a 500,000 employees and they're part of a 1.7 trillion mailing industry. And uh, there are a lot of jobs that, that, that ride with the post office. So uh, say nice things to your postal worker and uh, with a mask and uh, I'll, I'll be safe and well. Democracy will prevail. <laughs> and that is the most incredible note we can leave with. So thank you so much for joining me today, Brock. It's a pleasure, Ashley. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. To learn more about WND, please visit www.wdnorthamerica.com. And to learn a bit more about the vote by mail topic, as well as many other topics, please visit paper.domtar.com. Thank you. From the initial spark of an idea to the final published piece, when you have a story to tell, our paper is there. If you believe it's important to create memorable stories that support, inspire, and propel powerful ideas, then know that there's no better way to tell them than on paper. We're Domtar Paper. Learn more about us at paper.domtar.com.